Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message with our lead pastor, Zach Maddox. Happy New Year. It is 2022. We had a chance to spend a couple of days with my family this past week, and so my dad uh, was born in 1949. I don't know if I can say that. I know he's watching. I'm sorry, Dad, if I wasn't supposed to say that. But it's crazy to think. I'm sure if you were born in 1949, you weren't thinking 2022. That's a lot of years, right? 2022. That's crazy. But this is where we're at. And as we head into this new year of 2022, we are praying and believing for God to do mighty and wonderful things. You know, the promise we have in Scripture is that the kingdom of God is ever advancing. And so we're just praying God advance it still in my life and in the lives of others and far around the world. And so we want to believe the Lord for that as we head into the new year. And we want to start the new year in prayer. I mentioned that, 31 days of prayer. And a couple of weeks ago, Shelley had shared how prayer made a difference in a situation we were facing as a family, that we were looking at a potential health issue. Shelly had reached out to uh, her Friday morning prayer group. They prayed, and God intervened. So by show of hands, how many would say prayer has made a difference in your life? Anybody here this morning? Most of us, I would imagine. Prayer matters, right? Prayer matters. And so knowing that prayer makes a difference in our lives, what I'd like to do today is simply talk about how do we pray? And here's my hope this morning, that maybe you've never uh, been a person who's dedicated much time to prayer, so may you step into prayer in this new year. Maybe you've been a person who's prayed and been dedicated to prayer for a long time now, but my hope is this morning that we revisit some principles on prayer that encourages you and inspires you to say, you know what? I've been praying, but man, prayer really does matter. I think sometimes we can almost get into a, a routine of prayer that then diminishes the value of prayer in our life. So my hope is this morning that we just increase and see how valuable prayer is and, and how vital it is. And so what I, what I want to do this morning is cover, cover a, a couple of principles. Uh, a book I, I really appreciate on prayer is, is Paul Miller's A Praying Life. We had gone through that as a church a couple of years back. And, and I want to revisit a couple of the principles he has there because I think they're really valuable for us this morning. And, and he pulls out prayer from an interesting passage, Matthew chapter 18. Not typically a passage you look at for prayer, but you'll see why it matters for us this morning. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18 today. If you have your Bibles, hey, I hope you do. Hope you got God's Word with you today. Uh, if you're new to Connection Point, maybe you didn't bring a Bible with you today. We have Bibles underneath the chair in front of you. And so we encourage you to, to borrow a Bible today. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 18. Look at the first four verses. I'm going to invite you to stand for the reading of God's Word. And the reason we stand is because the words I'm about to read, vitally important. The words I share after, not as important. <laughs> so we want to highlight, these are God's words to us. May we never take that for granted, that we have access to God's Word. And we're going to be in Matthew chapter 18, first four verses. And Matthew writes, at that time the disciples came to Jesus saying, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Gotta love those disciples. And calling to him a child, 
he put him in the midst of them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. These are the very words of God. You may be seated this morning. So the first thing we find from our passage this morning is this. To pray, we must become like a child. And let's admit it, that's easier for some of us than others, right? (laughs) Uh, The book of Mark, one of the other books in the New Testament that talks about the life of Jesus, it has the same story that we read this morning, and it provides the setting for us. So it seems the disciples, they're traveling, they begin arguing with one another of who the greatest disciple is. And so then they ask Jesus, and here's what he tells them. Whoever humbles himself like a child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And what's funny is the disciples, they often behave like children, right? They do. Think about it. What does Peter do with whatever comes to his mind? He blurts it out. No filter. Anybody know any children without filters? Absolutely. That's honestly one of the best qualities of kids. You never know what they're going to say. I, uh, I was talking with uh, my brother, he and his family. They live in London. And uh, his wife, Stephanie, was overhearing a conversation of, of their kids in um, their bedroom. So Frankie is, is his daughter. He's Haley's age. And, and Maverick is Lucas's age. And so they were in there talking together, and, and Frankie was talking about Grandma Darling. So my last living grandparent is my mom's mom, Grandma, and uh, she was uh, remarried later in life, and, and so her, her new name was Darling. So Because people have said, you just call her Grandma Darling? Like, well, that's, that's her name, you know? But it's kind of endearing too, right? So Frankie was talking about Grandma Darling and how much she just, you know, thinks that she's such a, a neat lady, and, and, and so then she was asking Maverick, Maverick, what do you think? You know, what do you think about Grandma Darling? And and he said, you know what? She's just not my kind of old lady. (laughs) No filter. No filter. And the disciples like Maverick, they just say what's on their minds, right? They interact with Jesus simply as they are. And that's how Jesus wants us to approach him in prayer. But here's what happens. We often try to be something we aren't in prayer. We don't need to do that. Uh, There's been times when I've been visiting with people in my office, and and most of the time, if I'm meeting with somebody, then I'll encourage them to pray, and then then I'll pray. And and there are times where somebody, they're just not real sure what to do in prayer. And I don't know if it's like my office, it like applies pressure to people, you know, so they feel like they've got to like, you know, do certain things in prayer. It's like, and so uh, sometimes I'll even stop and say, you know what, we're just talking to, to a person right now. Like, there are no special words we've got to say. Like, there's no special formula that we have to get into. We just need to pray. But oftentimes, you know, we begin by concentrating on God, but almost immediately our minds wander off into different directions. I don't know if you have that problem, but I do sometimes. You know, that the problems of the day, they can actually push out then our desire to pray. So we give ourselves a a kick in the pants and we try it again. But life has a tendency to crowd out prayer. And so then we get frustrated, and I don't know about you, but sometimes then we just give up, and we're like, you know what, I tried it, I just, I I can't seem to be dedicated to it. 
And this problem sometimes occurs because we're trying to be spiritual and to get it right. We try to clean up our act before we approach God in prayer. We as adults, we like to fix ourselves up. But all Jesus wants is for us to come to him like children, just as we are. That's it. There is nothing special we need to do. There are no particular clothes we need to be wearing to approach Jesus in prayer. He just wants us to approach him. That's it. Wherever we find ourselves. But the difficulty of coming just as we are is that we are messy and prayer makes it worse. Because nothing exposes our selfishness and spiritual powerlessness like prayer. Let me tell you, little children never get frozen by their selfishness. They don't. Like the disciples, children, they, the, uh, like the children, they just come just as they are, totally self-absorbed. Have you interacted with kids? Like, they don't think anything about it. But I want to be honest, as a parent, I'm not real concerned about how my kids approach me. I just want to know that they'll approach me. Right? And God is the same way. How much more does God have a heart for us to approach him no matter how we come? He doesn't care how we come. He just wants us to come. In fact, we know we can approach him in our weariness. Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. So it seems the criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. They're going to give me a new mic. Hello, you still there? I kind of like the whistle. It just kind of provided something extra for the message. <laughs> Sorry, Naren, thanks for helping me. So it seems the criteria for coming to Jesus is weariness. So come overwhelmed with life. Come with your wandering mind. Come messy. All that matters is come, right? Doesn't matter how you come, just come. When we pray, we don't need to try to get the prayer right. We simply need to tell God where we are and what's on our mind. That's it. We don't need to complicate it because that's what little children do. They come as they are. Why is it important to come to God just as we are? Because if we don't, then we're artificial and unreal and we're wearing a mask. And the only way to come to God is by taking off any spiritual masks that we might be wearing. The real you, hear this this morning, the real you has to meet the real God. The real you has to meet the real God because he is a person. Talk with God about your worries. Tell him when you are weary. If we don't begin with where we are, then where we are will sneak in the back door while we're praying. So why not just start with that? Just start with where you are. Otherwise, it derails your prayer time. In bringing our real selves to Jesus, we give him the opportunity to work on the real us, and we slowly change. So instead of being paralyzed by who you are, begin with who you are. That's how the good news of Jesus works. God begins with you just as you are. And prayer's got to be the same. Become like the little grown children Jesus surrounded himself with, the disciples. 
When Nathaniel, one of the disciples of Jesus, he first hears about him, Nathaniel says the first thing that comes to his mind. We find in, in John chapter 1, where Nathaniel, he sees Jesus and says, can anything good come from Nazareth? But listen how Jesus responds. He says, now here's a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Jesus ignores the fact that Nathaniel has judged Jesus's entire family and friends in Nazareth. He doesn't pay any attention to that. He simply enjoys that Nathaniel is real without guile, a man who doesn't pretend. Jesus loves real people. Jesus loves real people. The opening words of the disciples' prayer are, Our Father, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. So what's amazing is, is that you are the center of God's universe. Our Father, our Father. This is where you find rest for your soul. By coming to God, weary, carrying heavy burdens, we discover God's heart. Heaven touches earth and his will is done. So by coming like a little child to our Father, we learn the heart of prayer. When we pray, let's approach God like a child, come to him messy, come to him weary, and watch him work in our lives. That's what we can do. To pray, we must become like little children. And to pray, we must learn to talk with our Heavenly Father. So we approach him like a child, but then we've got to learn how to talk with him. So as we approach God in prayer like a child, it would do us well to examine how it is children approach earthly parents. Because Jesus tells us to watch little children if we want to learn how to ask in prayer. And what is the first thing children do? To ask like a child. What do they do? They ask for everything and anything. Anybody hung out with a child? They'll ask for anything. And God would expect us to do the same. And how often do little children ask? Repeatedly. Over and over and over again, right? That's how children, they consistently ask for things. But then how do children ask? Without guile. They just say, again, like we said, they say what's on their minds. They have no awareness sometimes of what's appropriate or inappropriate, right? Just whatever comes to mind. Hang out with a little child for a while. You'll see these behaviors are all true. The second thing we must do in learning to pray is to believe like a child. This is a really important one. Believe like a child. We need to ask like a child, and we need to believe like a child. My kids, if you were to ask them, they're, they're confident in my love for them and the ability I have to take care of them. They trust me. They believe I want to do them good. They know that I'm strong. And because my kids know that I love and will protect them, it fills their world with possibility. It just does. Now let's stop and think about that for a moment. Because my kids know that I love and will protect them, it fills their world with possibility. Let's translate that for a moment. They feel at liberty to talk freely about anything that's on their heart. And if we are confident that God, our Father, who rests in supreme power, 
if he loves us and will protect us, it should fill our world with all sorts of possibilities. How are we going to approach God in prayer? It should fill our world with all kinds of things that we can pray about. If God loves us and looks after us, does he do those things? Yes. So why wouldn't we approach him in prayer that way? Here's a really important principle in prayer. If you learn to pray, you learn to dream again. And if there's anything that's been stolen in the last two years, I think it's dreams. So we need to learn to pray because we need to learn to dream again. Because God, our Father, who dwells in awesomeness, he loves us and looks after us. And so then we should have a world full of possibilities as followers of Jesus. And I say, when we learn to pray, we learn to dream again. And I say again on purpose because every child naturally dreams and hopes. It's in their nature. Little children can't imagine that their parents won't eventually say yes. That's why they keep asking. Like, eventually they're like, I'm going to wear them down. I, I'm, I'm thinking that's the psychological warfare going on, right? <laughs> they know if they keep pestering their parents, they'll eventually give in. It is this childlike faith that drives the persistence. Because here's the thing. As we get older, we get less naive and more cynical. But that's not a good thing. Disappointment and broken promises become the norm instead of hoping and dreaming. And our childlike faith dies a thousand little deaths. But Jesus encourages us to believe like little children by telling us stories about adults who acted like children. Think about his parables. So he tells a parable of a persistent widow who won't take no for an answer from an unjust judge. That's childlike faith. Jesus is encouraging this kind of faith. There's this parable about a man who badgers his neighbor to lend him three loaves of bread for a friend who's come at midnight. That's childlike faith. Besides asking and believing like a child, learning to pray involves learning to play again. It's kind of an odd phrase, but it really is true because that's what children do. Children love to play. If you go and serve in our infant and toddler area in the big backyard, watch how long those children stay on task. You'll see it's anywhere from three seconds to three minutes. It's okay to be like that in prayer. That's all right. I mean, think about even how we structure our adult conversations we usually don't, right? Especially if we're talking with old friends, the conversation just bounces around here and there and everywhere. But we can pray that way too. That's okay. Why? Because God is a person. When your mind starts to wander in prayer, be like a little child. Don't worry about being organized or staying on task. Instead of beating yourself up, learn to play again. That's okay. Pray about what your mind is wandering to. Maybe it's something that's important to you. Maybe the Spirit is nudging you to think about something else to pray about. So when it comes to prayer, just get the words out. That's it. It's okay if your mind wanders or your prayers get interrupted. Don't be embarrassed about how needy your heart is. Become like a little child. 
ask, believe, and yes, even play. To pray, we must learn to talk with our Heavenly Father. And to pray, we must spend time with our Heavenly Father. So we need to approach Him like a child. We need to learn how to talk with Him. And we just need to spend time with Him. You know, you'd think if Jesus was the Son of God, as He is, He wouldn't need to pray, right? Or at least he wouldn't need a specific prayer time because he'd be in such a constant state of prayer. You'd expect Jesus to have a direct line to his heavenly father, like a a broadband to heaven. But surprisingly, Jesus seemed to need time with God just as much as we do. Reading from Luke chapter 5, here's what it says. Jesus would withdraw to desolate places and pray. That's what Jesus would do. This was his regular practice. So why does Jesus pray early in the morning in a desolate place where he can't be interrupted? He prays because of who he is. Whenever Jesus starts talking about his relationship with his father, Jesus becomes childlike, very dependent. John, a follower of Jesus, here's what he writes. The son can do nothing by himself. Shame on us for thinking we can right? Here's what Jesus says. I do nothing on my own, but say what the Father has taught me. Jesus is completely dependent on the Father. Because he can't do life on his own, he prays. When Jesus tells us that apart from me, you can do nothing. So this is his instructions to us, John chapter 15. He's inviting us into his life of living dependence on his heavenly father. It's an invitation. When Jesus tells us to believe, he isn't asking us to work up some spiritual energy. He's telling us to realize that like him, we don't have resources to really do life right. When we know that like Jesus, we can't do life on our own, then prayer makes complete sense. It makes complete sense. Jesus' example, it teaches us that prayer is about relationship. When he prays, he's not performing a duty. He's simply getting close to his father. You know, any relationship, if it's going to grow, it needs private space, time together without an agenda where you can get to know each other. In other words, you don't create intimacy. You make room for it. This is true whether you're talking about your your spouse, a friend, or God. You need space to be together. You want to know what our relationship killers efficiency, multitasking, and busyness. Those destroy intimacy. You can't get to know God on the fly. If Jesus has to pull away from people and noise in order to pray, then it makes sense that we need to do that as well. So no matter when or how we pray, we just need to pray. We need to pray. You can pray in the morning, Pray in the afternoon or the evening. It doesn't really matter when. It just matters that you do it. And I will say this, a concentrated time of prayer, it does matter. Pray at all times. You know, Paul gives us this admonition, pray at all times. And I would say, yes, pray at all times. But let's not forget the value of setting aside a specific time for prayer. There's value for that. I think about that with, with Shelly. I'll interact with Shelly throughout my day, but there's snippets. 
especially if you've got kids in your house. You know this with your spouse, like it's snippets of time. But one of my favorite times is as the kids are in bed and we can hang out and just talk about the day. It's a concentrated time. We need both. We can be with Jesus all day long, but we need a concentrated time where we're just in his presence. So I encourage you, set aside a specific time for prayer in your day. To pray. How do we do it? We must become like little children who spend time with and talk with our Heavenly Father. That's how we pray. I want you to think this morning, as we head into this new year, how much different would your life be if you approached God in authentic, heartfelt prayer, realizing you can't do life on your own? We all know it, but we sometimes forget how much we need that dependence upon God to put it before him. How much different would you feel if you could put your complete trust in your heavenly father in prayer? You really won't know until you commit to daily times of prayer with him. And what I have found is one of the reasons we may skip out on prayer is because we lead very busy lives. That's probably the most common reason in our culture. And yet the more pressure we are facing, the more time we should be committing to prayer, not less. I want us to consider this today. If we do not have a praying life, then we are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all that we need. If we don't have a praying life, I want us to consider this today. If we don't have a life of prayer, then we are quietly confident time, money, and talent are all that we need. And in case you haven't figured it out yet, maybe you've not gotten to the end of where time, talent, and money end, that's, we need so much more. That only gets you so far. So let's be careful. It is likely we will always be a little too tired or a little too busy for prayer. And that's why prayer requires a solid commitment on our part a recognition that we need a solid relationship with God to successfully move through life. And if, like Jesus, we realize we can't do life on our own, then no matter how busy, no matter how tired, we will find time to pray. And so what I want to do as we, we close is, is invite you to some different times of prayer or maybe an invitation to just make a commitment to increase your prayer. So the first thing we're going to do is as we close in song this morning, instead of standing to sing, I'd encourage us to, you could stand and pray, you could sit and pray, you could come up to the altar and pray, but we're going to close our service in prayer. Let's apply it right now. And then let's make a commitment to increase prayer in our personal life. What we're asking for our congregation is could we commit the next 31 days together in prayer? You can do that personally. You can do that corporately. So we've already mentioned this week, we want to kick off this week in prayer. So we're going to pray right now. Tomorrow night is a men's night of prayer. We encourage you to come at 6.30, guys. And we're going to pray, and then we're going to go and have some fellowship together. And then on Tuesday night, ladies, we're encouraging you to come and to pray together and to go out also for a time of fellowship. Wednesday, families, we're encouraging you to come and let's pray together as families. And then Friday, 6.30 till 9.30, we've got an opportunity for you to come and go as you like, but to, to have us come and gather together for an extended time of prayer. Next Monday, we have our global prayer event. Let's come and pray for the nations. 
Those are all opportunities for us to start the new year in prayer. And I'm thoroughly convinced there's no better way to start a new year than in prayer. So let's do that together. So we're going to pray now. We encourage you to come back and pray for our corporate prayer times together. Other regular times of prayer I want you to consider is Sunday morning. We have prayer in the prayer room from 845 to 945, so feel free to come. Maybe this month you say, you know, it's not something I've made a regular habit, but maybe this month as we increase prayer, you say, you know what? I want to come on a Sunday morning and pray. Come and do that. Sunday evening prayer, we won't have that this evening, but starting next week, we'll get back to Sunday evening prayer in the prayer room from 6 to 730, so you can join us for that time. Those are all times and ways that you can join and increase prayer. But no matter how we pray, what's important? That we pray, right? That's what's important this morning. So let's start the new year in prayer. And I want to encourage us to do that right now. So let's approach God this morning like a child and pray. Let's take a few minutes to do that. Tell him if you're weary. Tell God about your heavy burdens. Tell him about your victories and your joys. Tell him what you're thankful for. But let's simply approach God as a child and pray. So can we do that right now? So if you want to step out from where you're at to pray, feel free. If you want to stay in your seat, if you want to kneel at your seat. So no matter how we pray, let's just pray.